Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Excited for today's message, and I want to just real quick thank you, Dean, Mary Kate, for jumping on. Uh, Ariana, good to see you there. Uh, Matt, good to see you online too. Uh, we love you guys. We miss y'all so much. And uh, thanks for sharing all that and getting us started, Lauren. Um, you know, in our final message for this series, They Don't Know What They're Doing, we are going to be talking about false narratives. And the title for today is Resetting the Narrative. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to these this idea of narratives, we often have a lot of narratives that we believe inside of our lives, inside of our hearts, our minds. And these narratives are sometimes healthy, but a lot of times we start believing these these um, negative, false narratives about either us, about God, or about others. Mm-hmm. And a false narrative can sound like, um, people always leave me. See, that's mm-hmm. a narrative, that's a really extreme narrative that there's a lot of us that end up believing that at some point of our lives that when you say it out loud, it really is just, it's so obvious that it's not true. But deep in our ourselves, we believe it to be as true as day. Mm-hmm. And I want to, us to look at uh, a scripture in John chapter 4, verse seven through, uh, verses 7 through 34. And we're really going to be looking at the story of the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. And for me, I haven't really looked at this story in this lens before. And I'm really excited to share with you guys what God was putting on my heart. And I want to let you know right now that this, sto- this sermon today is going to be an allegorical sermon. Meaning that we're going to look at a lot of illustration and, and imagery in between the context. Um, and so... Getting started, I'm going to just read through the whole verse, uh, and then we're going to go back through. Does that sound good to you guys? Yeah, definitely. All right, good. Um, So, starting in verse 7, it says, again, this is John chapter 4, verse 7, all the way through to verse, um, uh, we're going to actually stop at verse 28. So, it says, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into a village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift of God, the gift that God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't even have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks the water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come back to the, here to get water. 
Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't, even ha- you don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is that that you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim? where our ancestors worship. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming where it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on the mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, where true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is the Spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Mm. Then, Just then, disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you, at, why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone. And so I know that was a lot. And, and those of y'all who follow uh, Gravetop Church, we like to read a lot of scripture. We like to give the before and the after. And in this story, I feel like there's a lot of hidden truths and a lot of perception and, and history that if we just go over so quickly, parts of this story might even sound confusing. And so the starting off, I want us to, to look back at verse 9. And we're really going to be looking at this woman today. And we're going to use some of our imaginary. Uh, imagination. Imagination. imagination that, see, mm-hmm. that's why she's my helper. <laughs> we're going to use some of our imagination. And in, this, in, in verse 9, it says, The woman was surprised. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me mm-hmm. for a drink? Mm-hmm. And the emphasis I want to put on this verse is, is all in the fact that we all have raw experiences. This is really um, just like this, almost like we can really see a strong glimpse of racism that this woman has experienced. I mean, all throughout this verse, we see there's a dividing factor between the Jews and the Samaritans. When us, now in the future, in the present, we know that there is a great hostility between the two groups. Mm-hmm. And so there, she was so surprised that Jesus, being a Jew, would even ask her for a drink because they had so much animosity, so much hostility to each other. And we don't know all that she's experienced in this, in this realm of racism, but, I mean, if just the fact of her, of ex- the possibility of her experiencing it, the, the very high chance that she has, that alone is enough to qualify a raw experience. And let's zone in on to raw experiences. Raw experiences are those painful moments in our lives. Painful moments that always catch us by surprise. It, we never really expect a horrible thing to happen to you. Um, you don't really expect to get a job only to be treated horribly by the boss or by the manager, or only uh, you don't join a church to be to expect to be judged and outcasted by other people at the church. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a really 
painful experience that we often are surprised by. And it's these kinds of raw experiences that cause us to either become bitter or jaded. And this whole month we've been talking about forgiveness. And I really believe that a lot of us have worked hard at forgiving the people involved of these raw experiences. What today is about is not as much about forgiving the individual, but digging deep into those those innermost parts of our hearts and addressing the things that we've suppressed. Mm. Because even though we've forgiven the people, we still have developed these raw outlooks on life because of what we went through. Mm -hmm. You've been able to forgive the person, and so you're not bitter, but you're jaded. Mm. And I've had my level of uh, jadedness uh, in different parts of my life, in different aspects, in different areas, in different times. And it's the moments where you've moved on from the people, but the, the experience is just still there. It's still raw, and you don't really know how to deal with it. It's so difficult to process. And what happens is that these realities, these, these realities give birth to mindsets. And these mindsets are narratives that we believe. And whether it's about uh, these mindset, these mindsets and narratives are either always about ourselves, about God, or about people. And I I think that we could all think of maybe it's right at the tip of your tongue it's the first thing that comes to you but something like people always leave me that's a that's a strong narrative or all ch- church people are the same all of church is the all of church is a bunch of hip- hypocrites see that's a that's a narrative that we believe all or never and these uh these mindsets that are birth it's it's these it's these false narratives that produce racism to where uh, whole groups of people don't trust other races, other ethnicities because of a painful experience, because mm-hmm. of something in the past to where they look at, well, all white people are the same. Mm-hmm. All of this group of people are the same. All of this, all of that, they're all the same. All men, mm-hmm. <laughs> all, all people under 18. Yeah. All of this generation, see, those are narratives because of an experience that was raw had changed our outlook on life. Mm-hmm. It affected our worldview. These narratives, these mindsets that were birthed are, are those always and never statements. And they also are, these narratives are relational walls that we put up to distance ourselves from others Mm -hmm. because that painful experience, we don't want to experience that again. And they also, these false narratives produce mental blocks in our lives. What is a mental block? It's those moments where whenever we experience pain, we go to blocking out that pain by going to something. For example, like overeating, that's a mental block that we, we produced out of a raw experience to where every time it's just like touch, we go to it. Mm-hmm. Whether it's overeating or binge drinking or even self-harm. Uh, there, it can even be seemingly healthy things like running. 
there was a time period where whenever I would get into like an altercation or uh, be upset or angry, I'd go running. And it's just like, it's that mental block to where you don't have to, to really process what is happening, what you're feeling. You just suppress it and press it down. And a lot of times, like when we're kids, I feel like we really learn that well, that you're not supposed to push things down. You have to deal with it. Don't just push it down. Don't bottle it up. And even though we know that, we end up doing it anyway, not not realizing what we're actually doing. And all of this is producing narratives, producing uh, those always and never statements, and these... Uh, I want us to, to before we go on into um, the this, this scripture where I want to relate it to, Lauren, what do you feel about what, am I, what I'm saying right now? Do you feel like it's hitting uh, on point? Do you feel like it, it's working? What, what are your thoughts about this? Um, I mean, I think that you're right, and I think that's um, accurate for anybody and everybody. And one thing that um, I think of when it comes to these false narratives is a lot of times we're actually blind to them and mm. don't even realize that we have them or that we're functioning in them, or we're living them out. You know, a lot of times we have no idea that we're believing these false things, because the thing, the false narratives that we believe, they disguise themselves as truth. You know, the enemy disguises, you know, his lies as truth. That's why you believe those negative things, because they sound accurate. But the whole concept of what we're talking about today is how they are inaccurate, and we have to recognize them, but they're hidden. You know, we, we go our whole lives based off of our experiences, and it's definitely about our experiences, especially painful ones. Positive experiences yeah. can can shape the way we view things, mm-hmm. right? Um, I had a great childhood, so therefore everyone else has a great childhood, and everything's happy and beautiful. Or you had a really tough one, and so you look at the world through those lenses, and you have no other experience to compare it to, yeah. so therefore... You don't believe that it's any different, if that makes sense. So I think it's actually a little bit of a scary thing to know that a lot of these false narratives we believe we're blind to. Yeah. And so if, but the truth is, is those things are not healthy for us. They're not serving us. They're, they're, they're tearing us down little by little when we believe all those negative things. And the list can go on and on. And I know that those watching, you know, can identify those, you know, or we're learning to identify them. But yes. deep down, we know that it's different for all of us, but they're there, yeah. you know. And so I think it's so important to really, like we're going to get into today, dig deep, find out what those things are, and just somehow <laughs> remove them yeah. so that we can go forward accepting the truth of God, the truth of what He, he says in those situations about us, so that we can, you know, look with the, that new perspective, um, that is accurate, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so um, that's what I think. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Lauren. And I want you, just like Lauren's saying, I want us to really, this is, I want this to be personal today. I want you to really look at, in the mirror of your hearts and see where does this stick to me? And going back to these false narratives, these are, again, these are things like nobody wants me, I'm not good enough. God is mad at me. Um, God doesn't want to answer my prayers. Those are all narratives that we believe that we don't usually say out loud, but so it's like repeated quotes inside of our hearts mm-hmm. that play at most random times. For me, I, I had this narrative following me for a while that I was not good at anything. 
And even though I would, I would get uh, great accomplishments and uh, and very and appreciated with my work and and applauded, but deep down I was like, oh man, I, people, one day people are gonna find out that I'm not good at anything. <laughs> and, see, that's silly. That's false. And see that that's a narrative that even though my circumstances and my situations would say against it, deep down it's something that I believed. Mm-hmm. And so in this. In this verse, I want us to see something, and this is where it gets allegorical. It says, but you, sir, don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? The reason that I want us to look at this illustration, and I really want us to look at it as an allegory to where the well is our past, is that pain. The bucket is the the. Um, the bucket is the the thoughts and the conclusions that we draw the quote, and the rope is that narrative that the line that connects and draws those conclusions um, from our past, from whatever pain was there, and when what happens is that Jesus is trying to address this this woman at her heart, and she's what she goes back to is the past. And he's talking about living water. She's saying, well, I have water right here that I already know how things are. I don't need a new way of thinking because I've already experienced this raw life's reality. Mm -hmm. And so this church stuff doesn't really matter to me because I already, I already know how things are in the world because of what I've experienced. And this, this line that I'm trying to draw is that so many of us, we put down the idea of something, of a possible growth or something positive, even just God, the idea that God really loves us. So many people reject God because of a false narrative that they're believing mm-hmm. for a long time. And it, it, it just, every, so much comes from this well of the past. And if we if we don't really um, if we don't address these mindsets, our souls are going to stay dehydrated. We're we're not gonna we're not gonna really feel the nourishment of God. We're not gonna feel the nourishment of life because we're always gonna be going back to the past. We're always gonna be going back to this pain, and we're it's so hard to live life with a dehydrated soul like that. Mm-hmm. And honestly, when you when you live in this jaded state you feel so dehydrated in life, at work, in your family. It is so dehydrating in your soul to live like that. You know what I'm talking about. It's You're just like tired of it. And everything seems like it's coming out of the scope of pain. And going to you, I want you to recognize your false narrative. What is your false narrative? I shared one of mine. What is your false narrative? And I want to read verse 19 through 20. We're going all the way to where this is right after this, uh, they have this exchange. And Jesus says, if you, if you knew the water I had, you'd ask, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for living water and you'd never thirst again. And there's almost like this confusing part where she says, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water and I'll never be thirsty again. I really believe that she was being sarcastic here. Because do you think that she, it, it doesn't sound like she's really for him at all, this mm-hmm. whole story. Mm-hmm. And she's like, 
all of a sudden he says, if you drink my water, you'll never be thirsty again. It sounds like a snake oil salesman is what he's really describing himself as. And he said, oh, yeah, just give me this water and I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come back to this well. And she's just not buying it. And then he says, go and get your husband. And she says, she's kind of like taken back. This is a really like random. And he's I don't, I don't have a husband. And then that's when he like drops his bombshell, like knowing everything about her. And after he addresses like where she's at right now, Again, this is right now that he's saying, well, "Go get your husband. You're right. You're, you've had five. You're not living with the. You're you're living with someone that's not your husband now." And keep in mind that right before this, she was sounding all spiritual. She she was putting on this show like, "Well, the father, you know, Jacob came, and this is the ancestors. Well, you Jews." And she was making this spiritual claim, and now he's like, "Well, look, let's just look at the facts here," and. Instead of addressing the right now, what she does is deflect, and what does she go back to? Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. She recognizes that he is from God in some way, and then deflects and says, so tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim that it is here in Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worship? She goes right back to the racism. Mm. She goes right back to her past. To where even though she recognizes that he's a prophet of some kind, she's not even willing to, to listen to him further if she's one of those prophets. If he's, if he's one of those Jews. Because that pain, that past that she experienced, it is still so raw, even though it was in the past, she can't move forward and even listen to somebody that's telling her something that's obviously like spiritual, telling her things that no one else would know. And she's not willing to listen to truth if he's one of those that, that all Jews are like that. Y'all get what I'm saying? Mm. And that deflection is the same process that all of us go to with those false narratives. Is that we cannot move forward without touching on our past mm -hmm. we whether it was a relationship whether it was a childhood trauma whether it was something that happened at work and whatever it was it's like you can't move forward because that it's like we're wearing sunglasses of our past where everything is through this lens and there are so many raw things that we that we go through and it, that these narratives, they cause us to stay in this, this past and it's so much harder to move forward. I want you to really look into your heart. Look into your heart and, and ask God, what false narrative have you been believing? Just like this woman, she can't, she can't move forward because she can't address this thing that happened in her past. What is it for you? Uh, Lauren, what do you think about what I'm sharing right now? Yeah, I think... Um... It's really powerful and I think it makes me think of the fact that when we are stuck in our past that um, it is so easy for us to continue even even our conversation even whatever is in our heart right the Bible says whatever's in your heart comes flowing out so yeah. many words right so it makes me think when we do not really deal with those those things that are stuck in our heart those things false narratives, raw experiences, when we just leave it there, we're jaded, yeah. right? Where it's it's all pressed down and it's all just sitting there year after year, day after day, 
what happens is that that is what is constantly cycling through our mind, cycling through our heart, and therefore even your conversation is stuck on it. For example, have you ever conversated with someone who, whether it's you or somebody else who has been through so much, right? But they're kind of stuck and, and you're, you're talking to them and it never fails. Every time you talk to them, somehow it comes up. They say, oh man, we went to the, the, the supermarket today and it was so packed and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh yeah, man, that reminds me of when I was younger and my dad left me. Yeah. <laughs> it like has nothing to do with the supermarket being packed, but for some reason it triggered even the tiniest thought yeah. in their heart that reminded them of a trauma that will never go away, but they have held on to year after year, yeah. day after day. You know, you talk to the, you, you know, you talk, have conversations with people and, and they're, um, they're constantly in a negative mindset, right? They're constantly, oh yeah, well, you know, they hate me or I hate them or, you know, drama, drama, drama. Maybe it's gossip, gossip, gossip. And the reason I say those drama, gossip, all that stuff is because when you are so stuck on these raw and negative experiences, what comes out of your heart and even your mouth, the things yeah. that you talk about reflect what's going on deep inside. Yeah. And and so, you know, when it comes to these false narratives, to these raw experiences that we do not deal with, that we let sit there year after year, day after year, like I said, I have found it in my life, even, you know, in um, somewhat recent hurts and experiences whenever I have gone through stuff like that like I said even not too long ago it was sitting on my heart heavy I mm. even throughout my days I would think about it and get angry or we would be conversating about something and it would make me think about oh right I'm reminded of how mm. frustrated I am with the situation why because nothing I could do would change it yeah. you know nothing that we can necessarily do will change what has happened or what is happening to us, but what we have to learn to change is the false narratives we're believing about it. Yeah. The false narratives that if we don't leave unchecked will not only be a part of our past, but create something we don't want in our future. Mm -hmm. You know, so whether we can't change what John Doe did to us 10 years ago, you know, we have to still work and, and he bring healing to our heart in, in a sense so that we can move forward and not let what he did to us shape the way we see our future. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's what yeah, I think about that. That's that powerful, Lauren. And I really felt like you unpacked what, what we're saying here. Mm -hmm. And again, these false narratives are like something like, all men are stupid, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey. I used to think that, and then I found this guy, and I was like, there you go, yeah. guy. You're right, you're right. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, all, all, all men are terrible, or right. women only want money. Like, those are, are false narratives. They're so right. false. And it's from, it's, it's, guys, it's really from a very limited perspective of our own experiences. Mm -hmm. It's a big world out there. There's a lot more people in the world than the ones we've met. Mm -hmm. And just because we've met you, you know, a couple crappy ones in a row, it does not give enough justice for the entire population to be fit into a narrative that by those that hurt you. Right. Y'all get what I'm saying? And it, narratives like, well, no one really cares. Everyone's always just looking out for themselves. That it's impossible to really know everybody's heart and motivation. Right. And if you really just look at the reality, 
these are out of past experiences, out of pain, out of hurt, and I want you to really diagnose what are some false narratives you've been believing. That's good. What is your false narrative? Is it about you? I, I never get anything right. I always break things. That was a, oh man, that was a big one for me that I believed a narrative that I destroy everything I touch. Mm-hmm. And it, it messed with me for a while to where I believe that every relationship, every, every task, every responsibility, that I was a destroyer. Mm-hmm. And God really helped me find victory in destroying that false narrative mm-hmm. and, and finding the truth of what God has told me. And I want you to, to dig deep into your heart and what is the narrative that you have been believing that needs to be torn down? Is it about you? Is it about, is it about others that no one cares, that all, all of these people are the same? Mm-hmm. Let's find these narratives. Really, guys, is it about God? God is mad at me. God is disappointed to me. I always upset him. I never do anything right. I'm not good enough. Those are views that are directly t- connected to the way that we see God. Yeah. God always causes something bad to happen. God always messes up things in my life. Mm. God, God always takes away things that I love. It, see, those are false narratives that we often believe. Yeah. And so once we really diagnose these narratives and it, again, it's the things that we, we always go back to it's in our past, but it's right now. I want us to really f- dig deep down and release what has been pushed down. Mm. It's time to address these issues. It's hard, and if you're really going to address these issues, it's going to take more than just a conversation on, on online. Mm-hmm. It's going to take some prayer to where I really want to encourage you that after today, after our group even online, I don't know what you have planned tonight, but really, I think that some of us need to get on our knees and just start praying and saying, God, I've been believing this and I know that it's a lie. Tell me what the truth is. Mm -hmm. Man, I remember the day that I told God, I've told the Holy Spirit that I've been believing for the longest time that I was a destroyer. And I said, God, I know this is a lie. This is not what your Holy Spirit has told me. What is the truth if this is the lie? Man, my heart was so wrecked. And he, he, just, he told me a truth that just built me up and encouraged me. I, fe- I feel goosebumps just talking about it because I, I started crying so hard because it was almost like the exact opposite mm. of the lie that I was believing. Yeah. There, another, I'm just trying to be transparent with you guys. Another lie that I was believing is that God didn't want to provide for me. Mm. I thought I had a, that God didn't want to provide, that I would have to earn anything, that God doesn't want to bless me. Mm. And there was a time where I was really desperate, and I was believing this lie, and I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, and when, when I was just, I was just thinking about it and I was like, man, I don't know who else to ask. And I felt like the Holy Spirit told me, well, since you've asked everybody else, are you ready to ask me? Mm. <laughs> and I, it really caused me to deal with God because after years and years of being a Christian, I realized that I had never asked God to actually just bless me yeah. because I felt so ashamed of my past. And it was a narrative 
that I was believing God was still holding me to my sin that so I didn't deserve anything good. Mm-hmm. And see, these are these are narratives to where after like I finally brought it to God and said, God, what is the truth? Yeah. Man, was it so liberating? Was it so freeing? And so for you, I, I want us to look back at, uh, at Scripture for a second. In verses 21 through 24, this is the exchange that Jesus gives back to her after she goes back to her past. He says, Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on the mountain or in Jerusalem. I feel like just that part, like it will no longer matter. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like what he's saying is not that the past doesn't matter. The past, there is justice to a lot of our experiences, a lot of our past. And it, we are not trying to discredit the pain and, and the real raw things that we've experienced it. But what we're trying to get is to move forward. And um, he says, you Samaritans know very little about the one you worship while we Jews know all about him for the salvation comes through the Jews. And then he says, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. And the father is looking for those who worship him that way. For the Lord is the spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. What I feel like is this this moment is like that that truth over lie moment. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the the aspect of the culture that they were in. The the most a, a very common scenario that could have looked like is that when it comes to her possible past moment where she experienced some level of racism or whatever, I could have it would be very common to imagine a scenario where a Jewish person told a Samaritan woman, God doesn't want to have anything to do with you. You're a Samaritan devil. You, you, you have so much stuff. You were born a sinner. While we Jews, we're close to God and you're not. Something like that. Something, you know, outlandish to just hurt somebody. And here Jesus is saying, there's, none of that even matters because God is looking for those in spirit, for he is spirit. What he's doing is Jesus literally took away all ethnicity, all cultural backgrounds. He says, you're a spirit. God is spirit. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter your body. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter any of that. God is looking for those who are in spirit and you're in spirit. And he's looking for those who worship him in truth. And He's saying, girl, I know that your heart is, is true and that you want God, mm-hmm. that you're looking for him, that you really do desire him. And God doesn't, God doesn't care. The Father doesn't care about all the stuff that all these other people tell you that he cares about. He's looking for you, actually. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like the exact opposite of the lie that she was probably believing. And I, in this moment where I really believe that there is a release, it 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 really uh, it addresses those issues of our hearts, and I want you to to in the same way. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you Himself, and whether you gotta like I said, pray, get a journal, write it down. I mean, imagine just getting a journal and and just writing out saying in in deep thought, mm-hmm. quiet. You can play worship music, whatever, just in deep thought, asking God, what is it that I've been believing? And what thoughts just come up, write it down. 
And I guarantee you that you're going to have some, some issues come up on that paper. And you might even have some tears fall down on that paper. And then ask God and write it down. What is it that you really want to say to me? Dude, I bet you that you're going to hear things and you're going to, the first thing you're going to say is like, that's not God, that's just me. Mm-hmm. Dude, write it down <laughs> because that is the Holy Spirit trying to talk to yeah. you. We need to reset. We need to find this truth and closure to these issues in order to move forward. We need, um, but it requires us to talk to God. We have to talk to Jesus. We have to talk to the Holy Spirit and have Him address these things because we need to reset with humility. Why do I say with humility? Because it is a humbling thing to go to do to let go of the past. Yeah. It is humbling to let go of the past and decide for it to not affect your future in that way anymore. Mm-hmm. It is. And, and when we leave those parts behind though, it does a great, it, I wanted to look at this, this last verse to look back on. In verse 28, it says, The woman left her, left her water jar beside the well and ran back into the village telling everyone. At this moment, mm-hmm. she, remember that allegory I gave earlier, what the, what the well meant, what the rope meant, what the bucket meant, how it's all describing our false narrative connected to our past. Mm-hmm. And this part says that she left all that behind and went to the village telling everyone about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And what I really feel like is that it is so such a visual of what it's like to leave those false narratives behind. Mm-hmm. You, if you could imagine a woman carrying like a you know like if you've seen pictures those uh, poles with water jugs on each side, mm-hmm. you can you cannot run carrying that. Mm-hmm. But when you drop those and leave them at the well. You can go in full sprint. And what I'm saying is that when we really address these issues and reset the narrative, we're able to run in a way that we weren't able to run before. We're able to run with a freedom. We're able to run lighter. It is a liberating experience to leave the past behind like that, Mm -hmm. to leave these false narratives behind like that. But what it does is that it requires us to believe God and what the Spirit is saying to you right now. Right before she said, it, it, it's just so funny how this exchange happens. She, he says all this to her, and the woman said, well, I know the Messiah is coming soon. He'll explain all this to us. And Jesus has to tell her plainly, I am the Messiah. And that's the exchange that goes on in our heads, where Jesus speaks a truth to us, and we, we hear it, but we have so much doubt, and we say, well, one day God will speak to me, and then I'll know what to do. And Jesus is saying, girl, boy, I'm speaking to you right now. It is me, the Holy Spirit, talking to your heart. Believe, believe that I care about you enough to talk to you right now. Instead of just convincing yourself that it's your own thoughts or that's your own mind or that that is just something you ate earlier. It's God is trying to talk to you. Just believe in this moment that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. And it's only when we believe it that we're able to approach this in a humble way and leave it behind so we can find freedom. We need freedom so that we can move forward, so that we can move forward with joy. What do you think about all this, ending on on that, Lauren? Yeah, um, I mean, going off of the point, when you were reading this specific part, it um, what was highlighted to me is the part 
where Jesus was saying, um, just right here, where basically she was, she said, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water and I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. And so when I, when I heard that, what it made me think of is Jesus, just like you said, the Messiah, the one she was waiting for in a sense and looking for was actually right in front of her. And number one, she didn't recognize that the thing she's been longing for Mm -hmm. and trying to find in, in different uh, relationships over and over the things she was looking for over and over and was left thirsty still yeah. over and over was right in front of her but instead of recognizing that she was blind to it because of what she's experienced before and she was willing once again to take what she thought she needed from him and go on and be left thirsty again she thought jesus was going to give her water what she needed for the immediate a moment she was gonna leave but and and she was like oh i'll never be thirsty again cool like let me take that and so my point is is with that is she didn't realize that he already was the messiah the one that would give her living water and and so what it made me think of is so many times the thing that we're searching for and longing for you know the truth that we're longing for to to replace these false narratives is right in front of us mm. and that is Jesus the Messiah yeah. you know so many times we're right now you may be listening it's okay I need to go find truth I need to find enlightenment I need to be free but I will tell you right now if you go looking elsewhere if you go looking to psychics to horoscopes to weird funky stuff out there crystal stuff I don't know like those crystal people people are doing these days I don't like even know or, or, oh the like, crystal rocks yeah some weird stuff or get that sage all up in your house all these <laughs> random stuff get all the bad juju out I don't know I'm gonna let you know that that's not gonna work you know what it it is is Jesus the Messiah is the the truth he is I am the truth the yeah. way the only way and so if I will let you know just like this woman you can either choose to take that water that you will be thirstier again or you need to take a moment Pray and let God open your eyes so that you can see, just like her, that he is right in front of you. Don't continue going day after day blind to the fact that Jesus, the one that is a living water, she was thinking he was literally going to hand her that bucket of water. But the water she needed didn't look like she was used to seeing from her past experiences. She was looking for something that she would recognize from her past. But he was going to give her something new. That she would not recognize, but would be what she needed and the thing she has been searching for that would be different than what she thought she needed. And so I guess my point is with all that is it's, I, I feel like it really spoke to me too is, you know, we're so blind sometimes, but I think during even this message is a time for us to realize that and to realize that Jesus can take that veil off of our eyes and he wants to reveal himself to you, the one that is truth the one that wants to replace those false narratives that we've been believing so that we can run and not um, continue this vicious cycle over and over that is keeping us and holding us back to where we're trying to go. Yeah. And so. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for unpacking that Lauren. And, and, and with all that being said, um, I want you, as we get off right now, don't just, don't just go back to what you're doing. Don't start watching Netflix. Don't, (laughs) Don't continue to scroll. Really take mm-hmm. a moment to address these issues and have a moment where God brings truth and, and reset the narrative in your life. Mm-hmm. And maybe that narrative is directly connected to v- your view on Jesus, your view on God. 
and maybe that narrative that you need to reset right now is just your relationship with God. Maybe it's becoming, uh, maybe it's starting the relationship with God today. And if that is the case, have that prayer time and have a moment where you really started a devotion, a dedication to you and Jesus so that you can start a life to where it's really free, a life that you're really able to find a relationship with God. And if you need help walking through that, if you need help praying those prayers, just message us. And we'll, we, we'd love to connect with you. And we'd love to be able to support you on this journey. And all that being said, uh, I want to thank all y'all for being a part today. Um, thank you, Crystal. Uh, I see her. I saw her messaging all the way through saying, <laughs> are you talking to me right now? Um, uh, amening. And uh, Billy Joe Hargrove, thanks for tuning in. Kathy, we, we're so glad to see you guys on here. Matt, um, amen. Thank you for that. Uh, we, we love you guys so much, and we are so appreciative of you guys being a part of Gravetop family, and, um, and uh, we just, uh, we hope that this message was edifying to you, that made a difference in your life, and uh, any, any last words from you, Lauren? Um, I think I'm, I'm, I personally am encouraged, and so I want to take some time to journal too, and um, Jesus is the answer. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.